You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm back again with Rick Gaiman of DFSOnDemand.com. Rick, we talked uh, late on Sunday night. I guess it wasn't that late, but uh, have you re- have you come down off the, the, the Tiger Zozo high? That's not a sentence I ever thought I, w- I would say out loud, but uh, h- how are you feeling in the, in the afterglow of that Tiger win? I've not slept a single minute since then. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's just been really cool. I mean, I feel like every time I refresh my Twitter feed, there's another great stat. There's another great article. I've just been very happy to consume, yeah, over the last day and a half or whatever it's been, to consume as much Tiger information as possible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got a WGC here on deck, but this this little Tiger hangover hasn't been so bad. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think it's interesting because a, a lot of people, are, including myself, are kind of spinning it forward into 2020. And I think that you're like, I've sort of forgotten, not that he won the Masters, but that he will be the reigning Masters champion at the 2020 Masters and also have won since then and probably be, you know, I, I don't know that it'll be the favorite. I don't, I don't know if he is right now. You might know that, but at least one of the two or three, like it'll probably be him and Rory and, and Brooks. And that's probably it like at the top. Uh, and that that part of it, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, they they did bump him up. Uh, Brooks is the current favorite right now, but he's at uh, Tiger's there at ten to one with with Rory right behind him. So it is. Yeah, you're right. I think expectations, uh, and we kind of talked a little bit about this. I, I've always I try to keep my expectations very low on Tiger, just after all the injuries and you know everything has the caveat of you know if he stays healthy. So I've I've kind of tried to keep my expectations very low, but it's it's really hard to do that now, Kyle. It's really <laughs> it's really difficult as we're entering this season. You know, he's one for one on start and wins like i'm i'm just trying to restrain myself a little bit but this is it is going to be really cool yeah no it's uh yeah it totally is so there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to there so i I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit and just kind of give people an idea uh of of your story uh so you started dfsondemand.com and and just kind of like how you got to that point And, and and you know kind of your uh, path in the in the media world right now. Yeah, sure. So I mean, DFS on demand uh, was started as as really a pet project, and and what it is is just me in a bunch of databases and creating visuals and tools that you can interact with. And I created it for myself because my my background is in marketing automation which is really just like working within giant databases and trying to figure everything out. Um, so I created a website to house all this information for myself because I wanted to see, oh, okay, you know, I want to see every time Rory has played this specific tournament or I want to, you know, look back at the last 15 tournaments that this guy's played or whatever it ended up being. Um, and I just had a website for it. And then I'd share it with like, you know, my my buddies and they're like, oh, this is really cool. You might have something here. And it kind of grew out of that. So it's really just kind of um a convergence of my my professional background being a lot in databases and then my personal uh, passions, which lie in sports and specifically golf and and those two coming together to now. Yeah, now this is my full time job to be able to 
deep dive into as much golf data as I possibly can on a, on a, on a daily basis. I know some of our listeners are just fired up about that sentence. Um, what, <laughs> right. how did, like, what was the transition like going from, cause I presume when you started it, you had a, a different job that was not in sports and, and what was that like, how, how did the transition go from that job into doing this full time? Yeah, so I mean, it was actually kind of similar. So my my real job, uh, I was working with college athletic programs to help them sell tickets. So you know, uh, Oklahoma State would be a school that I would <laughs> that I would work with, and you know, try to help with their marketing campaigns and and things like that. So it was it was very natural. I was in the sports world, and I was working in databases. But this is just something I did on nights and weekends and on the side. And uh, yeah, I just it's it's kind of weird how it has evolved to the point where. The, the side site, you know, grew to the point where I was like, you know, I think actually my time is more valuable and I'm more, much more passionate about what I'm doing on the side. Maybe I should move that over to be my, my main thing. Who, who were your, and I've got people who know my background. I, I've got something a, a little bit similar that is still kind of ongoing, uh, which I, I have an Oklahoma state site that's on, you know, kind of my side, side project, side yeah. hustle deal. What, who were some of your um, I don't know, I- inspirations or people that you looked at and were like, ah, oh, that's not, not even in sports necessarily, but just like, oh, that's pretty cool that, that, that this person did this and that encourages me to like, Hey, maybe I can do this as well. Yeah. You know what? My, my drug of choice, Kyle is shark tank. So like literally <laughs> like every time I watch shark tank and just to hear entrepreneurs and like, you know, they, they put everything on the line and they've got these startups and they're getting to the point where they're growing and, and they're transitioning to like, all of that is so inspiring to me. So it doesn't even have to be this specific person. It's just when I, when I hear stories, when I see people who are doing something that they're really passionate about and I'm feeling the same way, um, to kind of take a lot of that, um, I don't, yeah, emotion or passion or fire or whatever it is and, and translate it to whatever I'm doing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. My, my drug of choice is, uh, the podcast, how I built this. I don't know. If okay. You, if yeah. You that's a good that, one. But I, <laughs> I, I can't get enough. There was one the, they replayed one this week about, uh, Lara bar, like the, yep. uh, the, that was on shark tank too. I think. Yeah. I know that yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll listen to that one again, even though it's about like, you know, peanuts and dates and it's, <laughs> it's just preposterous, but it's, yeah. I'm so fascinated by people who, uh, take calculated risks and sometimes uncalculated risk and, right. uh, find success. So anyway, we could talk about that all day. What, what about golf? Like what, what was your growing up and, and getting into this? Like what kind of, um, you know, stirred you in terms of like, Oh, this is, the, I really like this. This is a really cool thing and, and got you going in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I played golf growing up, you know, my dad introduced it to me probably, I don't know what I was 11 or 12 years old, something like that. Um, played it all throughout high school. Um, and I'm from outside of Philadelphia. So in Pennsylvania, golf is, in high school is a fall sport. And I also played baseball, which is a spring sport. Um, so I went to college on a baseball scholarship. And when you get to college, golf is a spring sport. So I couldn't do both of them. Uh, so I chose one, did, did my baseball scholarship. Uh, and then literally like since I've graduated, it has been, in all golf like I just love it can't get enough of it I live in Southern California now so I can play year-round and I try to play <laughs> at least once a week uh, get out there and knock it around and it's just been this this growing passion and then you and then you flip to something like the PGA Tour which uh, is is deeper than ever it has uh, great names with young guys and it's just as exciting as I ever remember it to be, yeah. you know, I got a little taste of tiger obviously growing up, but it really is so deep right now. And you can, 
you know, you've got villains and you've got the good guys and the bad guys. And it's like, it's so, it's so, it's so dramatic. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm romanticizing a little, a little bit, Kyle, but like, it's, uh, it's so much fun week in and week out. No, I, I don't think you are. I mean, if you go back and look at the leaderboards of some of the majors that Tiger won in the early 2000s, you're like, wait, what? Like, who, who, right. like, what, who are these guys? Just <laughs> not, yeah, not even like their names, but just like there's just the personality. I, I mean, it, it's just not like just in terms of like the, the big like Brooks size personality. It's not. It, it, it wasn't there, certainly, uh, uh, maybe as players for those guys back in that day. And that's just, you know, that's just how it was. And I, I certainly agree with you that it's different now. What about um, what about college baseball? Where did you play at? So I played at LaSalle University, which is outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, so so played there. Uh, didn't play too much, but <laughs> they paid for a, a good portion of, of my college. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about baseball. I'm a Phillies fan, uh, kind of, unfortunately. But, um, mm. you know, it's, it's one of those situations where uh, it's hard for me to kind of sit down and watch a whole baseball game now. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I can – but I can sit there for, oh my gosh, fire up PGA Tour Live at 7 a.m. and then watch that. It's just, I don't know, it's just different. And um, I'm so into golf right now, and I, I I don't know why, and I love it. Well, it is different because I think the primary reason it's different, so I played baseball too, I played uh, in college as well, and uh, I think it, the reason it's different is because when you're watching golf on TV, there's always action, right? Yeah. Every, every shot, every putt. I mean, there's so many shots, so many putts, so many things happening and when you watch baseball on tv it's like there's like six minutes of action over four hours and yeah. you're like well i, I you know and, and i get it like i'm not sophisticated enough to understand like what's happening you know all that stuff and it's like well may maybe maybe that's true but maybe yeah. not you you should see me try to explain the game within the game to my wife while watching it <laughs> i'm like no no that's like an unwritten rule it's not like a real rule it's like an unwritten rule and like all and she's ready to strangle me so yeah, yeah. it's a little a little difficult to keep on the tv yeah for sure uh okay so last thing before we get to hsbc champions and uh, the bermuda uh, the beloved bermuda what yeah. what is your What's your day-to-day -day look like now? So this is your full-time deal. Uh, I, I presume you're just updating databases a lot, making sure all that is, um, you know, safe and sound in terms of the data that you're that you're giving to people. But what just give people an idea of like what you do when you wake up every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I do live in databases, uh, which is pretty sexy, I know. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, so what I try to do, because what I found very quickly is, especially now with golf, too, is there's so much data and more and more com coming through it every day is that a lot of like the users of my site or even like my friends were like, what am I supposed to be looking at? Like, there's so much to comb over. There's millions of rows here. So I try to do on my site and, and just like even on Twitter when I send stuff out is like I try to comb through, I'll create visualizations so that it's like kind of easier to understand the data. So really my day to day is maintaining those databases, um, trying to, you know, identify trends, create these new visualizations and tools that I think people are going to enjoy. And then I get the opportunity to kind of supplement all of that with, you know, creating YouTube videos about previewing, uh, you know, this week's tournament or looking back at last week's tournament. I get to hop on podcasts. So I really am just looking for an opportunity to talk about golf as much as possible, the opportunity to uh, find new stuff about golf as much as possible. And that's kind of what I do from when I wake up. And then I, you know, shut it down at five o'clock when the, when the wife gets home and I'm ready to talk to another human. <laughs> have you uh, have you noticed that as as golf has moved more toward gambling, that the that the data has gotten has it gotten easier to access or harder to access? 
Oh, great question. Uh, it, it is notoriously difficult to access, but I think that more people are uh, getting the opportunity to kind of disseminate it. So I think it's I think it is a little bit easier, and I think people are um, focusing on the data a lot more, which makes me happy, right? I'm I'm I don't I don't necessarily just do the eye test. I'm a big data guy when I come to decision makings in both fantasy or the betting world. So I do think it's becoming easier to access that data now. Whether you have the ability to understand that data or how you want to use it, I think becomes the next problem. Because now there's so many, and you know this guy, there's so many stats on the PGA Tour. It's like, you know, someone would be like, oh my gosh, you know, um, this guy is the best in the world from 100 to 125 out of the right rough. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like six shots he hit last year, like from that range. Like either you got sample size issues or it's just so noisy that it's almost like uh, data paralyzing you at some points. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I think sometimes... Yeah, you get so deep into that stuff, even like the, I mean, yeah, even like, I, I like to look at like iron play from like, you know, 200 out, because I think that's interesting. I think, you know, guys like Justin Rose and and, and different, especially going into some of the, the longer uh, courses, like in majors, you're like, okay, well, who's been elite this year from, from deep? And it's like, well, there's 13 shots. Like, what, right. am, what am I supposed to do with that? You know? Um yeah, that's it. I, and and it seems like it seems like it would be in those uh, you know organizations' best interest to be more like the the deeper that this thing goes into like gambling to be more open with that information rather than more closed off, right? Yeah, one would think. I mean, I think they there's a going to if there is not already a market for there is going to be a market for some sort of open open source API, right? And you could yeah. get people to to pay to access it and here's all the official information. You know, you don't have to collect it from seven different sources or whatever it is and that could be an additional side uh side income for something like the tour if they wanted to put something like that together. So I think there will be um a standard and you see this in other sports, right? I mean, the NBA, they want their uh, integrity fees and they want their starting lineups to be paid uh, or to be submitted 30 minutes before the game. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely heading in that in that direction. The PGA Tour has always been a little bit uh, slower to move on the gambling stuff, it seems. So yeah. I think I think we're we're headed in that direction. And, and it might be, you know, I hope it's one year away. It might be five or 10 years away. But I, I think it's the market's going to be too big to pass. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, OK, well, let's talk about it. Uh, HSBC champions. We got uh, the first WGC of the season or the last of the year, however you want to look at it. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, coming up. Uh, we are uh, heading over to Shanghai. It's a, it's a good field. Uh, I don't know if it's quite as good as last week's, um, but uh, j let's talk about this course real quick. When you look at this course, this is a place that uh, the PJ Tour has gone for, uh, for quite a while now. It looks like uh, last eight, uh, seven years, uh, something like that. Uh, when you look at this course, what do you what are you seeing, and and how does it uh, how does it affect maybe some of the guys at the top of this field? Yeah, so I think there's um, two versions of this course because they've been playing here for a while, but they did do a bunch of upgrades back in 2014. It, it looks like they made the uh, the fairways a bit tight, uh, tighter, uh, the rough a little bit thicker to to penalize those uh, shots that that miss the fairway. It's still bent grass green, so uh, I'm still going to be looking for guys that uh, hit the ball very well off the tee, uh, especially now that they've narrowed it out a little bit. And then it's it has kind of a really 
interesting uh, blend of of holes here. You've got you've got drivable par fours. Um, the par fives are really gettable. There's a there's a fun stat that I read. I wish I knew who tweeted this. My bad. Uh, but in uh, 2014, Bubba Watson was 14 under par on the par fives, and he played the rest of the holes three over and mm. still won this tournament. So I mean, yeah. like if you want to go out and feast on the par fives, like that's one way to get there. So it, it is really interesting. I think it opens up. Um, obviously, in almost every situation, the longer and straighter you are, you're at a at a bigger be- uh, bigger benefit. But uh, this week, especially, and then obviously being able to feast on those par fives isn't going to hurt as well. Yeah, uh, you're right. It has been here since it looks like '05, but they moved it in '12 uh, for some reason that I don't remember. That's when Ian Poulter won it. Got it. Yeah, I don't remember that either, but it is a pretty solid, I mean, we, with all the new, and we'll talk about one, with all the new tournaments that are popping up and uh, lack of course history, this one's as almost as solid as it gets. Yeah, for sure. That, that's a great point. Uh, how does, how does like, so there's 78 guys this week, the bottom of it is like, I don't know any of these guys, but like, <laughs> yeah. how does a small field like this, and, and this is something we talk about a little bit, I guess, as it relates to even the Masters, uh, the Tour Championships, a more extreme version you see it in the playoffs some, but how does a smaller field like we've seen in the last few weeks affect the way that you're thinking about, um, you know, kind of like making picks on some of these guys? Yeah. In, in general, the smaller fields, um, the cream rises to the top and it's, it's not necessarily the smaller field as, as much as it is the fact that there's no cut here. So the masters, um, for all intents and purposes, almost like a no cut event. I mean, because you've got, you've got all the guys down at the bottom who are your past champions. Those are the guys that are missing the cut. Like all of the guys that are, are going to compete are getting, are getting through. Um, so when you guarantee, uh, four rounds, you know, outside of some withdrawal or, or DQ to these guys, like it, it ends up being a really big deal. And we saw that with, we saw that with Rory last week. I mean, Rory had a really poor opening round last week at the Zozo. And if it was a cut event, he could have been, you know, floundering around the cut line the next day. Instead, he goes out, he shoots three really good rounds and, and gets himself in, 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 inside the top five. I mean, it, this stuff, um, when you give the best players in the world four guaranteed rounds, the, the cream usually rises to the top. So that's kind of where when I'm making picks, whether it is uh, betting, whether it's fantasy, whether it's versus my dad and we just say, hey, who do you think is going to win this week? Uh, in WGCs uh, and, and these non-cut events, it tends to be the studs that win them. I'm sure that Paul Casey and Justin Rose appreciate you noting that they uh, both missed the cut at a no at a no yeah. cut Masters <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> they they don't feel the same way about that. I don't think, but for for our purposes, it's basically a no cut event. <laughs> okay, let's go. Uh, let's go, guys that are undervalued going into this week. Uh, I I know you have a list. I got a couple as well. Hopefully, I didn't pick the same ones as you. But who are you looking at that has? Uh, we've got Rory as the favorite at, uh, 11 to two. It looks like we've got Hideki at 12 to one and then Xander at 14 to one. Those are your top three, but who, who in the field are you looking at? Maybe a little further down that has some value. Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of in the mid, the middle range there, the, the 25 to fifties. I think when you start getting down past the fifties, you start to lose a little bit of that value, but someone like Sung J M who, you know, we, we kind of shouted out when we, when we chatted on Sunday, like I love this guy. Um, and it's so impressive the way he gets around the golf course. You know, he, he gains strokes in almost every single category. So he's a really, um, he has a really high floor. It's if he has a bad driving week, you know, he can make it up with the rest of his game. If he has a bad putting week, like whatever he's, he, 
he's not a one trick pony. So he's sitting there. I think I've got him at 28 to one. He's coming off a third place finish at the Zozo. He's someone that, that I think wins this more often than he's actually valued at as the first guy. Yeah, I like that. Uh, with my first guy, I'm going to go with uh, with Corey Connors at uh, at 50, 50 to one. He he played really well uh, for most of the event last week at the Zozo, and he I mean. I, I keep going back to check on the stat to make sure it's real. He finished ninth on the tour last year in, in strokes gain T to green. Oh, it's real. Oh yeah. Like it's, I can't putt. He can't putt. That's he was, like he, he was a hundred and eighty first in putting. Yeah. He's brutal. I you'll you'll find I am I am very much hashtag team no putt. I love Corey Connors. Yeah. And uh, I think you're alluding. I mean, even if he goes out and puts like average for a week, he, he can win the golf tournament because he's so good tee to green. I love Corey Connors. Yeah. So I've got him as my first guy. Okay. Um, I'll back that one up. I've got uh, Billy Ho, Billy Horschel at 33 to one. I think uh, very, very sneakily uh, around the world. He's been playing really well recently, dating back to uh, the WGC, the FedEx St. Jude. He's got four top tens in his last seven starts. And what I what I like about Billy um, and we've, we've talked about this with uh, a couple of guys like Brant Snedeker is similar. J- Jason Duffner at times is similar where they're very, very streaky. Like Billy Horschel can pile up top five finishes. Um, we've seen him get hot at the FedEx cup playoffs and they'll kind of like disappear for a little bit, you know, yeah. five or six weeks and then I'll come back. And I think we are in the midst of one of those really good streaks for, for Billy Horschel coming off the second place or I'm sorry, sixth place finish last week at the Zozo. So I'm trying to ride that Billy Ho hot streak. Yeah, I like that. He's he's been top ten in two of his last three events uh, worldwide. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deep on this next one. Uh, I've got uh, Zinjung Zhang, who, yeah. uh, if people don't know, he was the uh, regular season uh, money winner or points winner, or whatever we're calling it, on the Corn Ferry, uh, the Corn Ferry's finest. Zinjung Zhang. He is. Uh, he is. He's from China. He's the number 123 ranked player in the world. He's a hundred to one. Uh, this week he's had a really sort of under the radar start to this season so he misses the cut at Greenbrier and then he has three straight top 20s at uh, I think it was uh, Vegas Napa and uh, then Houston he finished in the top 10 so at 100 to 1 just I don't know maybe the home country thing I I don't I don't know this is the first um, this is actually the first event on the Asian swing that he's played but I kind of like him this week at 100. I like it too, and I'll tell you why. I mean, he has played this event a ton, which you don't really see from those guys who are 100 to 1 because they're usually yeah. just getting into the field or whatever. But because he, I presume he got uh, into this event from the like 10 or 12 exemptions that the Chinese tour gets uh, every single year. So he has, this is like the first time uh, he's playing it as like a PGA tour member, but he has plenty of history around around this track. So I, I, I think that's a really good one. Okay, who you got for your third? My last one, I'm staying in that middle range. So I'm going with uh, Shane Lowry. I've got him at 40 to 1. I, I think he's the most interesting guy in this range. Um, I look for just these really these really small samples of guys who are about to get right. You know, we hear this a lot, Kyle, where, oh, he found something in the final round and now he's like taking that with him next week or whatever it is. Uh, Shane Lowry had the second best score on the weekend at the Zozo championship behind only Rory. Um, so we we saw him at the end of last year, which is kind of normal. You get, you get the big open championship win. He faded a little bit, but he's played well 
in Europe leading up to uh, leading up to this week. He has got a, a handful of top 15s, including last week at the at the Zozo Championship. So to me, someone that I know can end up raising the trophy uh, on Sunday. He's uh, I think is he, okay. Here's a fun fact about Shane Lowry. I'm pretty sure he's the only guy in the history of the PGA Tour that his first two wins are a major and a WGC. So I know <laughs> I know he can handle this, uh, and I like him at that number. That's like the the junior Brooks, like the yeah, the, right? the the lesser Brooks. Like he only wins. That would be great if Shane Lowry ended his career with like four wins and they were only WGCs and majors. Yeah, that'd be so sick. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't do the memorial. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staying at a hundred to one. I, I, it, it, I'm. I, these are probably soccer bets at a hundred. But I, Kurt Kitayama is somebody who uh, he's finished in the top. Uh, five in his last two events on the European tour. So he goes fourth at the French open third at the Italian open. Uh, and then he also put up a, a T 14 at the BMW PGA championship, which on the European tour is a big deal. And he's up to 83rd in the world. He's kind of, he's had a really good run over the last couple months or so he's a hundred to one as well uh, to win this event. So I, I kind of like him further down. Uh, it, it's a, you know, it's a weird event because it's, it's like super, top heavy with that Rory, basically with Rory. And then you've got the next group uh, with Hideki, Xander, Rose, Casey and Stinson are kind of in there, but there's a lot of guys down there. Like Phil's 80 to one, Lucas Glover's 80 to one, Kevin Kisner's 80 to one. There's a lot of guys that are further down. That's like, I don't know if he gets hot this week, he could just, you know, run one off. So uh, I don't know. It should be interesting. Yeah, I mean Gary Woodland. I'm looking at 66 to one right now. I mean, That's they're, crazy. They're, yeah, I I agree with you, and I don't know. This is where I'm always sitting here, like, does Vegas know something I don't know? <laughs> or like, what's what's happening here? But no, I think I think you're right. You you know, I don't know what the strategy that uh, you or the listeners usually take on on bets, but like, it's it's this is the choice where you have to decide. Okay, am I going to go for for someone top heavy, or am I going to go for uh you know someone down the middle of the pack? Yeah, and I think I and I think I actually read Gary Woodland's. He's not in this field this week. I was reading his master's thoughts. <laughs> so disregard that. <laughs> I was going to say 66 sounds. That I was sounds like, that insane. can't be right. And I looked back, I, I swore love it because I was looking at those master's odds from earlier. So my bad. <laughs> I saw a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I had, I saw a barn rat at like, it was like a uh, hundred, it was like 1250 to one. And I was like, I'm going to empty my 401k and put it on and put, but it, it was just a typo. It was supposed to be like 125 to one. Yeah. That sounds more like it. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back, talk Bermuda and uh, yeah, just talk about how you find uh, value for guys in some of these different events. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, we are back with Rick Gaiman of DFSOnDemand.com. Uh, we talked to HSBC, HSBC champions. Uh, we're going to talk a little Bermuda, but first I guess I want to, and, and I talked to uh, Eric Patterson about this a little bit last week, but just what is your strategy broadly, and, and you, I think you alluded to it a little bit, for finding value here. Is it guys that just are bad putters, and so maybe they had a couple of bad finishes coming in or a little bit undervalued? How do you kind of go about that process every week? Yeah, so I think um, I actually listened to Eric, and and I think he nailed a lot of it, which is I I look so so deep into the tee to green uh, guys, and and I don't really care if you're a bad putter, and I know that sounds crazy, but um, you know it, it's so much stickier to be good tee to green every single week. Like it's it's possible for the the worst putter in the field to be the best putter in any in any given week. It's probably not possible for someone who is like the worst tee to green player to all of a sudden show up and, and gain a bunch of strokes tee to green. You know, someone who usually drives the ball 280 isn't going to show up and start out driving DJ or anything like that. So uh, there's just much more volatility in putting. So I do like to find those guys that are going to be super solid tee to green every single week. And if they find a good putting a good putting week or even a neutral putting week, um, they're going to put themselves into contention. So that's, that's kind of step one. Um, and then really, especially in some of these, depending on the market that you're in, um, it's always fun to talk about who's going to win the golf tournament, who's going to be there to, for outrights. But a lot of the value comes in guys to finish, you know, top five, top 10 or top 20, because you're still getting decent odds there. And you're not just, you know, for lack of a better term, putting all your eggs in one basket that this guy's going to actually win the golf tournament. So I think there's a lot of value in the range of guys that, that you were talking about, right? You know, the Zhang and the, and the Kitayama, like top 20, like that's certainly in their range of outcomes yeah. while, um, a win, I guess is in their range of outcomes, but might not be very likely. Yeah, that that's a great point. Why why would I not just throw a bunch on Rory at minus five hundred to top twenty? Like, isn't he like an auto top twenty right now? I mean, I guess, but uh, and this is this is the one thing that I think, um, especially that I get you know tweeted at a lot, which is like, oh, I'm playing fantasy golf for the first time, and yeah, Justin Rose missed the cut at the Masters. Like, what <laughs> what happened? Um, like golf's hard. Like golf is hard, and golf is people like it is really really volatile and the fact that rory continues to pop a pile up top fives and top tens like that's insane and i know it's like oh well he was the favorite to win he didn't win that's a disappointment like no it's not like like golf is really volatile golf is really hard um yeah so i mean it's it's very enticing to to pile up and empty the 401k as you mentioned to say you know rory's in a 78 man field it's going to finish in the top 20 but you know stuff happens so my first ever tournament that i that i covered was the uh, 13 tournament of champions and i picked uh, i picked dj to win and dj won and i was like this is this is easy like <laughs> yeah. i don't know what people are, and i think i picked like one guy right for the next four years so uh shows how much i know but i mean yeah the, the uh the rory thing i was looking at it so since the masters he's either He's this is crazy. He's either finished in the top twenty or missed the cut at every PGA Tour event. He hasn't finished between T twenty one and whatever T seventy uh, since the Masters. Everything's wow. either top twenty or missed cut. He missed the cut at the Open, missed the cut at Memorial, which was weird, and everything else is top twenty. And most of it's like top ten, top fifteen. Right. Um, yeah. So, sometimes if you don't have it, you really don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <yeah>. it's gone. <laughs> uh, okay. Bermuda. This is, this field is insane. I mean, some of the names, I'm just going to read you some of the names. It is, 
Uh, hold on, I gotta find it here. It, it's way down on the. Okay, so Alex Noren is the favorite. Uh, he's the co-favorite with Denny McCarthy at fourteen to one. Uh, some young guys that are really interesting that are just behind them. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's sixteen. Bo Hostler's up there. Sam Ryder, Doc Redman, uh, Maverick McNeely's forty to one. Um, but then when you go further down, it's like, oh my gosh, we've got uh, Tommy Gainey's in the field. We got Derek Ernst, uh, who's just one of the one of the all time names uh, after he won the Wells Fargo like six years ago. Mike Weir's in it. Charlie Belgian. Kevin Stadler, Heath Slocum, Tim Heron is 500 to one. Uh, Bob Allenby is 500 to one. This is unbelievable. This field is unreal. Brendan DeJong is here. Like he used to be, I don't know how many years ago this must have been. It must have been three or I don't know, maybe even more than that. He used to be an auto lock to make the cut. <laughs> and it was like in any fantasy lineup you ever played, it was like Brendan DeJong, like start there and then I'll figure it out. Yeah, he's here. He's 750 to one. Um, I'm interested. To, I mean, I think it's great that we're getting a lot of these um, these new tournaments. It's kind of hard for for us to to you know me being the numbers guy trying to figure out how to approach this when we have a brand new course. I mean, what what are your thoughts? We've got a new we've got a new tournament. This course has actually been used for other uh, other events in the past, but we've never seen like this type of field walk in here. I'm a little stuck on how to handle this. What do, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, with stuff like this, I actually tend to go, and I think you've seen some of the effects of the or some of the results of this in the fall I, I tend to go younger guys that are like look I gotta like I gotta do something ahead of the reshuffle ahead of the new year uh I would love to because a win gets them into uh Kapalua, even if it's yeah even even if it's right now they get into cap like just to set like to set themselves up for 2020 I love to go uh with like Joaquin Neiman or or you know somebody like that who it's like yeah that makes sense that 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 guy would be really hungry in the fall to get something to set himself up uh for the for the new year. So somebody like Scotty Scheffler, I'm like, yeah, that feels like Scotty Scheffler is going to win this event, you know. And 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 that was one of my questions for you is do you do you cuz right we saw um Gray McDowell win uh uh Puerto Rico, was it this year or last year? Whenever he did it and you're like wow, that's crazy. Like he's like 41 years old, like winning an opposite field event. It like it, it almost feels to me like when that happens that it's, a. and I don't know if this is like statistically true. That feels like more of an outlier than somebody like Sam Ryder winning. Yeah, I don't know if it's just, wow, statistically true either, but it has felt like a lot of the younger guys are winning. I mean, Morikawa won the Barracuda, yeah. uh, you know, Tony Finau getting his his win here at the Puerto Rico. I mean, Troy Merritt won an, an alternate event. So, I mean, it, I feel like it does tr uh, tend to skew a bit younger. And, and I don't know if it's narrative-based or anything like that, but I agree with you. I mean, these guys know they've just removed the top, you know, whatever, 75 players in the world or 65 players in the world, and now they get to go and compete against one another and every I, I look okay so another one of my things is when uh you get to a new course uh that benefits the younger guys who have never seen any course because yeah. no one has ever seen this course yeah you know you're not rolling up to augusta where everyone always tells you oh my gosh it takes you like three years to figure out these greens and then like you, you know whatever um every you know level playing field which is why someone like victor hovland is so awesome like he's awesome everywhere but like put him at uh, a course that nobody's seen and I feel like it levels the playing field for him. So someone like a Scotty Scheffler who my only concern with him is that he's kind of faltered on the weekend um, in, in the handful of starts that we've seen him. But 
looking back at last year, I know that he can he can win tournaments, um, which he's done on the on the Corn Ferry. So someone like him is like my prime target you know i see him at 16 to 1 he's someone that i'm like okay really good ready to emerge we know he's going to be a great player on the tour very likely this would be a great spot for him to get a win another guy I like at 80 80 to 1 i can't believe i'm talking about 80 to 1 at the bermuda but uh <laughs> doug gim is 80 to 1 i really like him he had such a good uh amateur career i, I know he hasn't really done uh, how did he how did he do on the corn for I, I don't even know but I, I i really liked his game as an amateur the Gim Reaper, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind Doug Gim. Um, fairly so. So I have a, a handful of events for him on the PGA Tour where we have shot link data. Pretty good with his approaches, which is one of those stats that tends to be sticky. Uh, you know, you carry that with you week to week. So I, I like Doug. Doug Gim. He's very good around the greens. Um, Eighty to one's a really good number. Someone like I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised to see uh, what where did you mention Doc Redman at 30? Yeah, he's that, at uh, 28. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is like, wow. OK, he, he's put himself in contention quite a bit. He piled up the money when he needed to at the end of last year. I mean, he, he's a guy that I feel like is is ready to break out and capture that win as well. So 30 to one in a field where I don't think he's, you know, the 15th or 16th best player, which is basically how he's priced right now. I think he's a little bit better than that. Uh, kind of intrigues me. Yeah. Another guy, th- this is like an all Texas event. We got Bo Hostler, Scheffler, <laughs> Gim, yeah. Spieth should join. What are your Texas power rankings right now? Is Spieth in the top three? Oh man. That's God. A t- that's a I, t- I really hate to bury Spieth, but every time it comes up, I feel like I bury him. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a fun little wager. I know a couple guys had where it was like, who's going to win more, more events in the next two years, Spieth versus Bo Hostler. And everyone kind of <laughs> laughed at it. And it's like, that might not, that might not be that bad. <laughs> like if Hostler goes out and, and runs this one and wins it, like Spieth's got some catching up to do. Uh. So yeah, I mean, uh, Scotty Scheffler is probably number one. Right. And then, I don't know. Spieth can't be can't be in the top three. I don't think. Where do you work? That's tough. I, I like Spieth a lot. Um, where as a as a person as a player right now, I don't. Of but course, just yeah. he's great to deal with. Um, where do you fall in guys? Like, there's some interesting names that, like, these are guys that were. I think both of them were ranked number one in in the amateur rankings. Um, Peter Yuan and Ollie Schneider Johns, who. They kind of started out really well as pros, and they and they haven't, you know, they they haven't taken that that Justin Thomas type path. And but they're both still, I mean, like they're keep they're they're still around, like they're still they're still playing well, but they're just not like at that at that level that you expected them to be at. Where do you fall on on those two guys? Uline is forty, and uh, Schneider Johns is uh, sixty six. Yeah, I think I'm much more I'm much more optimistic on on Peter Uline. Um, he's at least made some cuts recently. I mean, you look back at his at his PGA Tour. I think he's uh, like seven for his last eight cuts. He's he's playing well uh, in the short game, right? His his real issue is his off the tee game. He loses strokes nearly every single week, but he makes up for it. Uh, pl- hits his iron shots pretty well. He's really great around the greens, and he can putt. Ollie, who I think is here on a on a sponsor's exemption, uh, he he's just mi- missing like he just can't get it together. Uh, quite frankly, he's missed like seven of his last eight cuts. He he just seems lost in almost all aspects of the game. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes I'm I'm more optimistic if it's just like wow he can't hit his driver. Like at least we know the problem. At least at least if he if he figures that out he might be fine. But there's really no rhyme or reason to what's going on with Ollie right now. So I'd have to be a bit more optimistic on on Peter Uline. 
If you had to bet your life on, oh God. on one of these, this would be a really rough weekend for you if you had to do this, on one of these guys finishing in the top 10 this week, just anybody in the field, who would, who would, you, who would you stake? Oh, on? man. I mean, I guess I'd have to take the, the pure chalk. But no, let's, let's think. Okay, if I was actually uh, betting my life on someone to finish in the top 10, um, I don't mind Lanto. I mean, he's, he's in this field. He's been piling up, t- up top 20s, uh, captured, his, captured his first win. I'm hoping that he doesn't have that little hangover after the first win, right? But uh, he'd probably be a pretty solid bet for a top 10. Yeah, I think I would go – I would want to go Aaron Wise, but I don't I don't trust him. I don't trust any of these guys. <laughs> I know. I don't either. I think I think I might go – I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I might go with Denny McCarthy. <laughs> you might not have a life on come Sunday if you're betting your life on it. Uh, hey, he went he went T9 at Houston. He went T9 at Shriners. He's he's feeling it right now. I actually like, like personally really, really like Denny McCarthy and I, I like his game. He just goes against everything statistically that I hate, which is like the magic putter syndrome where yeah. he, he does it all putting and you know, you get one week where he doesn't start rolling it in and, and things can go sideways quickly. But I, I do really like Denny McCarthy. I think he's a great player, but I'm just a little concerned about how he does it. That's a good point. I might go shuffler and then he would shoot like a 77 on Sunday and I'd be, that's the problem. I'd be toast. But he's oh man, he's so good. I was, I was I think I was telling you on Sunday. I was at the Shriners this this year and followed. I followed Scotty. Oh man, he's so good. And yeah. like he is the real deal, man. I I love this kid. He's he's very unassuming too because you he wears like those he he's got like these baggy shirts on and you're just yep. like I, he wore this sweater at the uh, at the Byron Nelson this year and it like went down to his knees and it's like. <laughs> Whose kid is like hitting balls on the range? And then yeah, get this kid out of here. And and he's just he's he's really solid. He's really consistent. He's a good player. Okay, real quick, uh, we'll finish like this. Let's go. I'm gonna give you some head to heads for the HSBC champions, and we'll just roll through them really quick. Okay, Corey Connors uh, or Louis Oosthuizen, both are minus one fifteen. Corey Connors, team yep. no putt, baby. Yeah, same here. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood or Adam Scott? Fleetwood is minus 120. Adam Scott's minus 110. Uh, Adam Scott, super solid, high floor, and a better price. I'll take Adam Scott. Yeah, I, I'm with Adam Scott as well. Uh, Sungjae at minus 110 or uh, versus Henrik Stenson at minus 120? Stenson might hurt his back flying through town here <laughs> I, in China. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Come on, that was a layup. Uh, either way, Sung Jay's playing too well and better odds. I've I've just been refreshing Twitter, just waiting for this year's photos to emerge. We got, we, you know, Stinson flying over the city. The best part of that was D, like DJ's faces when he had to do it. It's like what I mean. It's it's like like permanent DJ face kind of, but DJ's pulse never gets over like sixty beats per minute. So I don't know. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, yeah, I'll go Sung Jay. He's been. He's been kind of feeling it recently. He, uh, JT Tiger Sungjae would be a great uh, a great way to go with the Asian swing. That. Yeah, uh, last one. This is deep. Uh, Chez at even or Hao Tong Lee at uh, minus one thirty. Hao Tong almost won this. Was it this tournament a couple years ago that he almost won? 
I don't think it was this one, but it was something over here. He's had a couple of top tens here, but yeah, I think I thought was, he had a second place finish somewhere, didn't he? I think it was just that he finished uh, in the top ten, and that was okay, like then, a, then that was, was a big deal at the time. Yeah, yeah, then it was here. Um, I'm a huge Chess guy. Like he's one of the only guys on tour I'm like taller than. Um, <laughs> like, but 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 how he hasn't been playing well. And uh, Hal Tong, sneaky long, sneaky good. Already got his President's Cup spot locked up. I'll take him. Uh, I'm trying to look up. It was 2000, 2016. He finished T7. Russell Knox just ran away with it. Uh, yeah, like 20-something under par, I think it was. This top 10 is kind of funny to go. So Russell Knox was at 20, Kisner 18, Ross Fisher and Danny Willett at 17. It's like, are we sure this was a WGC? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. How did these guys get here? <laughs> Brandon Grace and DJ at 16, and then... Spieth Reed, Hao Tong Lee, and Matthew Fitzpatrick at fifteen. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Hao Tong Lee. I like Hao Tong Lee. I, that's yeah. the only reason I'm picking him. Ch- Chez is like, man. He, you know, it's funny because people have kind of been like throwing his name out there for Presidents Cup and stuff, and it's like, well, that's that's difficult because there's like just twelve guys that are going to be Hall of Famers someday. <laughs> that it's, like Chez isn't going to make the team over them. But I think it speaks to just like how he's been really good this year. And even though he's been really good, I feel like people, I feel like he still doesn't really get, even in golf circles, doesn't really get the kind of, you know, respect that, that his game has indicated that he should get so far in 2019. I just don't think, I mean, and I completely agree with you. I just don't think he does anything that, you know, people want to write home about, right? I yeah, mean, he, yeah. he doesn't, bom- he doesn't bomb it. He just does his, does his business, go, goes around the course, does what he has to do. It's, there's, there's nothing super incredible about it, except for the fact that he's had this longevity on tour and he, and like, yeah, I, he's in the midst of what, probably his best run, his best 12 month run of his career. I, I love the guy, but you're, you're right. There's, when you're talking about president's cup specifically, there's going to be a lot of guys, uh, that get their name called before him yeah for sure okay rick great stuff uh enjoy the databases this weekend <laughs> and uh yeah we'll we'll uh we'll catch up after uh after alex noren just runs away with the bermuda championship next week i wouldn't expect anything less thank you sir see you rick <laughs>